Live from St. Louis, Missouri, it's the Technically Speaking Podcast. Brought to you by Doherty Business Solutions. Get ready, because it's time to talk nerdy on the Technically Speaking Podcast. Welcome into the Technically Speaking Podcast. We are coming to you live from the Agile Midwest Conference in beautiful, I mean picturesque, downtown St. Charles, Missouri. Shout out to St. Charles. You can see the river from the, uh, I think, from the from the window over there. But uh, we are podcasting all day long. We're here. We're doing session after session, meeting with uh, Agile Thought Leader after Agile Thought Leader. This episode is no different because today we have Emerson Tamor on the uh, on the podcast. I hope I'm pronouncing that uh, correctly. It. Welcome to the uh, welcome to the podcast. Check that out. Look at that. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So, uh, so Emerson, you are um, you are actually a, uh, a San Francisco native and uh, living in New York City, and you run uh, the managing director and co-founder of Philosophy. Tell us a little bit about your company and uh, what you guys do. Yeah, awesome. So, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Philosophy is a design innovation firm. We're a team of designers, engineers, and strategists that work with large companies like Google, Royal Caribbean Cruise Ship, PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, and some smaller companies as well to take, uh, make, and validate their most promising and craziest ideas. Uh, and we inter- we kind of integrate uh, lean design thinking and agile into our, our workflow to kind of bring digital products to life. So walk us through the design thinking and, and kind of Kind of expound upon that a little bit. Yeah, so design thinking is you know made popular and kind of branded by IDEO, which is a, an amazing company, and we've we've kind of have our own flavor of it, which we call experiment-driven design. But design thinking really has a few kind of key traits to it. One, it's about focusing on uh, the user. The, so it's a user-centered uh, design process to solving problems. So it says, you know, instead of just building something because it solves a business need, we have to do that, but we also need to think and make sure it's desirable, we, that people are going to want it. And then, of course, that it's technically feasible. And, um, you know, their process, you know, there's lots of elements, but I think the coolest thing and what we talked a lot about today was kind of diverging and converging. So how you can get a ton of breadth of ideas out there when you're ideating on something, usually based on a problem or a human need, and you come up with lots of different ideas, and then you converge as a team or as an individual on a, on a single one, and then you kind of iterate on it just like you would in, in anything agile. Yeah, so your your topic today is playful randomness to spark creativity. So I imagine there must have been a uh, a very um, uh, hands on aspect to your to your talk. Can you can I can you kind of give us a little bit of a, a recap of that? Yeah, absolutely. So we use a lot of techniques, and one really cool thing in in design thinking is a design studio. And a design studio is just a structured, fast-paced, collaborative workshop that gets a diverse set of people into the same room and sketching and bringing ideas to life. Uh, So the majority of of the workshop today was uh, we gave everyone a a piece of paper. We did an exercise called Crazy Eights. It's called Crazy Eights because you have eight minutes to sketch eight ideas. And we layer that into a board game that we created at Philosophy that kind of gets people to think orthogonally, think outside of the box a little bit and, and get some crazy ideas. So in essence, you know, there's this sheet of paper, you fold it up into eight sections and you have a timer that times and at the end of every minute you roll the dice, you get some randomness and then you move uh, your sand timer that many pieces on the board and you get a prompt and then you do that until you fill it up. And, and the hope is to again, really scrape the bottom and get a lot, a quantity, you know, 
really focus on quantity of ideas as opposed to quality and then start to match things up from there. Yeah. Well, being from, uh, I'm kind of in the creative area. I'm a marketing director. So, uh, you know, I've, I feel like creativity breeds and uh, and really comes to life through constraint. You know, you, you tell me to just create something, you know, and I might spin my wheels for forever. But then if you tell me, you know, you have this constraint and this constraint and then this time constraint, you know, uh, some, some people look at it as procrastination, but sometimes you just need that fear of an impo- impo- uh, pending uh, deadline to really bring out that creativity. So I think that's a fantastic way to kind of um, take people and force them to just drop their guard and just just let it flow, I guess, right? Exactly. I think you're totally right. The speed is such a, a key piece. So people don't overthink. They don't like get caught up in daydreaming about what it could be. It's just what's the first thing that pops into the into your mind on it. Absolutely. So, do you feel like um, like like sometimes people come into? So, I imagine that you come into companies and you kind of talk with them, and people have an idea of what they are. You know, I'm a I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a square, I'm a circle. You know, I'm a square in a circle organization, vice versa. So do you do you feel like some of these exercises kind of help people understand either what the squares are and why the squares are needed versus the circles or just like, you know, hey, I could be a, a rectangle. I don't know where I'm going with all these shapes, but you know, um, you know, maybe maybe thinking of, of themselves uh, outside of their little box and how you know, as, as a team, you come together and you drive this, not versus, you know, this is my job and that's their job. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's such a key piece. We're always working on new products and, you know, there usually is that box around it and you have some sense of what you are, what you can be. What we try to encourage our clients to do, and, you know, it goes back to the design thinking stuff is really focus on what is the need? What is the problem we're solving from the human perspective? And hopefully your idea fits into that in some way, or we can shape it, or we can learn from it. And then how can we iterate, put something out there, get people to get feedback on it, and then see from the end user who's ultimately going to be using this thing if they like it or if they hate it. Mm -hmm. Um, If they hate it, it's like, let's move on to something else. Let's pivot a little bit. But if they love it, it's like, okay, how can we make it a little bit better? How can we make it a little bit better in a very, you know, kind of traditional agile flow? So do you ever have instances where it's, where it's, you know, a challenge to prove value, you know, because basically kind of what in with the bylines it's you know, how how play can help creativity. And obviously creativity is, you know, going to drive productivity and all that. So but but I mean, to just like a leader who doesn't either understand what's going on, um, the, the principles behind the game, does it just seem as, you know, like we're not being productive here? How do you how do you kind of talk about that to leadership? Absolutely. And I think the key thing in general, you know, as a service in business, uh, we always have to be proving our value, and, and you probably see the, the same thing as well as how can you always be showing the value because we're expensive, whatever, and, and people are gonna be hiring you. I think one thing with the game at least is around how can you produce a bunch of stuff. So in that case, it's how can we get lots and lots of ideas out on the table as quickly as possible? And I think the play aspect, and one thing we talked about was you know, to really spark innovation, there's lots of research on this. You need to have a little bit of fun. You need people to loosen up and, and kind of get out of just the rigidity of a business. And that's where you need to like open it up. Now you don't need to say, we're not like going to a beach and, you know, <laughs> hanging out for, you know, a, a full day, but it is about, can we loosen up? Can we find opportunities there? And then the last piece of randomness is, can we spark kind of matching and, and, and catching together with these things? 
And so I think in terms of showing the value, it's about how do you show this breadth of ideas and then how do you also get the stakeholders engaged in participating, sketching out ideas. Mm -hmm. And then when we talk about converging on an idea, making sure their voice is heard. Um, and I think usually if, if people see that, you know, they had a say in what was being built, that always makes them feel a little bit better about uh, the money or, or the value you're providing. Sure. They also have kind of a, a, stake in, exactly. a stake in it. So, yeah. So do you have any kind of success stories? Uh, some kind of, I would imagine you see a lot of light bulbs go off, right? You know, uh, any, any, any like that where you've come into a certain situation and been able to maybe turn a design or turn a developer who, you know, doesn't see themselves as, as any place in the design um, area and you know can you talk about some of that yeah absolutely I think that's a really key piece is bringing different people and not just designers product people but bringing in engineers bringing in marketing people when you're doing these sessions uh, I know all of the engineers on our team really love it and, and we've now gotten our client engineers involved uh, one really cool thing was I went to Shanghai to train a, a client's offshore team there and you know they had never seen anything about design thinking and we got them experimenting we got their designers and engineers building personas out uh, and a persona or a proto persona is just a way to kind of an archetype of who a person could be and we got these people who had really just been normally given a bunch of specs and to told to code it or design it being able to think creatively and thinking about the user we had them running a user test session we were doing this field services project and we had them run a user test with a few local companies in, in Shanghai and we got some really innovative results. I mean, it was very different from what we saw in the US. You know, there they talked to a company that was repairing ATM machines. And a big problem was traffic, and they would actually get off of their cars or, and they would get onto a scooter and drive to repair the ATM in, in different scenarios. And there would be a dispatcher who was constantly monitoring the traffic. And a lot of those elements we actually ended up pulling into our, our real product, even though the use case was a little bit different. Uh, it sparked a whole new uh, way of looking at it for us, and, and we really resaw some things on on the traffic side. And that was it was really exciting to me to see like like this group of 40 engineers and, and designers like get so excited about you know something they'd never been exposed to before, and then the client got excited about that, and then you know they were selling it to their stakeholders within the company, and and so it was a really really cool experience. Yeah. So from your your background, are you do you have a uh, a foot in both worlds? So to be able to have that unique perspective, do you have a developer, and then obviously you kind of have a design side to to you as well? Um, what's what's your background? Yeah, so I studied, I kind of grew up, you know, in the computer age, uh, I'm 30 now, and by growing up in that age, I was, you know, always designing things. I actually did, like, built websites for clients in literally middle school, doing little graphic design projects, uh, you know, very entrepreneurial, I guess, in, in that regard. Um, throughout high school, throughout college, I went to a design school at UCLA, and the design school there is very focused on kind of interactive arts and it's called design media art. So there's a big programming component to it along with, with traditional design. So that kind of further refined, uh, refined my chops there. And then when I started ph philosophy, I was really doing every, you know, my co-founder and I were doing everything. We're doing all the design work, doing all the coding. Uh, you know, now it's, it's a little more business that, that we're up to, but um, you know, that, that back then has, has given me a good background uh, across the board. Awesome. So uh, again, your your topic today that you gave a, a speech on uh, playful randomness to spark creativity. If someone um, has heard this and wants to reach out to you, uh, want to 
speak more about your services or just to kind of more about this topic? How do they reach out and, and get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm always available. I always love chatting with people about technology and sports even and, and whatnot. Uh, my Twitter handle is etamor, at etamor, E-T-A-Y-M-O-R. And I can also always be uh, reached through our website, uh, philosophy with an I-E dot I-S. So it's P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-I-E dot I-S, philosophy dot is. Awesome. And, and sports teams, who's your, who's your, who's your team? Uh, I'm... I'm a big. I'm having a rough go of it. I'm a huge U.S. men's national soccer team supporter. We just eliminated <laughs> yeah, this week. Not, uh, yeah, no, that's tough. Yeah, <laughs> very very rough week for me. I'm also a 49ers fan, so uh, no. we're really. Uh, but on the plus side, I'm a I'm a Warriors fan, so I do have that going for me. Yeah, so <laughs> you do have that going for you. The other ones are a little bit of. No. A <laughs> uh, UCLA Bruins too, and and they're not doing so well, and the Giants' worst record in baseball, so. Yeah, we did beat your Cardinals a few a uh, few playoffs though, so I have that on you guys. At yeah, least. the Gi- the Giants are the Giants are one of those teams. You know, uh, I think the Cardinals are that team for you know the Washington Nationals yeah. and you know everybody has that one team and actually probably the Dodgers too. I mean, we've uh, Clayton Kershaw especially, uh, who's unhittable against anybody except for the Cardinals <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, yeah, yeah, everybody has their their uh, kryptonite. I yeah, guess. And, their and boogeyman. The Giants for sure. Uh, I mean, I think the last time we were up three games to one um and and some barry zito (laughs) the phoenix that rises from the ashes came back and spun a gem that was uh, incredible to get it back to uh to get it back to san francisco i think i think so yeah oh boy anyway (laughs) well thanks for coming on i I really appreciate you uh taking the time out to, to share your perspective uh, I mean, this this conference here is is really grown, and, and and I think the talent that we're pulling in is uh, is is a higher level. More people. I think this is only going to grow. So uh, I'm glad that you uh, came down from New York City to uh, to be a part of this. And uh, thanks for coming on our podcast. Yeah, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Technically Speaking podcast. Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at SpeakTech or like our page at Facebook.com slash SpeakTechPodcast. If you have suggestions or questions related to the show or would like to be considered as a future guest, send feedback and inquiries to hey at SpeakTechPodcast.com. I'm Zach Lenz, and thank you for listening to the Technically Speaking Podcast.